The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Café. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Café, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. We've got a fantastic program in store for you today. We have Josh Swanson with Vogel Law, gives us an update on that big brouhaha, that fighting up in North Dakota that's going on between the Wilkinson family and the state of North Dakota. Interesting, interesting dynamic up there where the state of North Dakota got into the oil boom and all of a sudden they decided they want these minerals under Lake Sakakawea, which is a man-made reservoir. So 60 years ago when they flooded this area, Families owned the mineral rights under the lake, but there was no lake back then. It was just land. Army Corps of Engineers came in, built the lake, signed a piece of paper that said the family still owns the mineral rights, and life continued. Well, flash forward, flash forward, fast forward, whichever word you choose to use, up to today, and actually 2010, and all of a sudden the state of North Dakota says, you know what, there's a lot of oil money going on here. We want those mineral rights. So they all of a sudden said they own them. And then the checks stopped. So now these landowners didn't get the checks anymore because now it's a legal fight because the state of North Dakota decided they wanted to go after some minerals that somebody else had already owned, a landowner owned. And they're trying to say there's technicalities because it's under this water and the people don't own the water so the state must get the mineral rights even though the previous owners and the current owners have the mineral rights so it's um josh swanson's coming on to talk a little bit about that and i ask him the question too if he's thought about the fact that north dakota goes around bragging to everybody about how they're this big republican state yet they go after landowners and mineral owners that's not very ideology of the Republican way, that's for sure. So the state of North Dakota has some explaining to do. And Josh Swanson is a great interview about what's going on up there and some of the potentials that are happening with the conflicts of interest. Then we talk with Chris Cottrell with Winston Strawn about the current uh, acquisition about Chevron and Anadarko. That's going to have huge changes in almost every industry from trucking to oil and gas to power companies i mean it is gonna to web companies uh chevron anadarko deal is a big big deal we have all that plus much more on today's episode of the multimedia cafe we're gonna get to it we're gonna come back with josh swanson but right now we're gonna take a quick break we come back josh swanson right here on the multimedia cafe my name is jason spies and you're listening to the multimedia cafe you got up and you gave her that rock and said I'm Charlie Sheen. I must be the luckiest man in the world. And Hayden Eastwood, you be my wife. We'll grow old and I'll love you every night. 
Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. Josh Swanson, Vogel Law Firm. Updating here with the Lake Sakakawea Mineral Rights case as well as uh, Mr. Swanson, Josh Swanson just got back from oil country out there in the heart of Williston. Bakken, of course, the heart of Watford City is the Bakken, I guess. But Williston used to be, and it's still just as active as ever. We'll get a update in just a second. But hot off the press, 30 minutes ago, something was filed for the Lake Sakakawea judgment or something along those lines. I didn't get time to write my notes, so let's just find out what, what happened here. You guys uh, just recently made some movement on this uh, mineral rights, Lake Sakakawea, North Dakota issue? Literally hot off the press uh, within the last hour. Your listeners, Jason, you and I have talked about it uh, numerous times, the mineral rights under Lake Sakakawea and, and the state's unconstitutional claim to those and how the legislature addressed it. Last session was Senate Bill 2134 that codified a new set of statutes in the North Dakota Century Code. The Supreme Court, as your listeners will recall, ruled in our favor in the Wilkinson decision back in September of 2017, and the issue has been batted back and forth with the state seeking to delay the issue and put off any sort of determination by the district court as to the application of that particular set of statutes, and, and that's what we did We filed a summary judgment brief asking the court to decide as a matter of law that applying that set of statutes, Chapter 61-33.1 of the Century Code, in applying that, the state of North Dakota has zero right and zero claim to the mineral interests held by private landowners, including the Wilkinson family who reserved those mineral rights when the United States acquired the property for the Garrison Project in Lake Sakakawea. As, as I know you and I, you know, to, to give your listeners a refresher, because this saga has been going on for several years now, uh, the Industrial Commission last fall issued its order adopting that study done by Wenken Associates, and as part of that study, it had determined that with, with our clients, in this case, the Wilkinsons, their property was above the ordinary high water mark, and, and we're asking the district court judge to rule now as a matter of law that the state has no right to continue claiming an interest in that property. And what's the current right now as far as before this thing was issued? Was the state was going to receive the minerals, or you guys were, or where, where was it beforehand? The... The last few years, our position all along, going back to when this case was filed in 2012, is that the private landowners like the Wilkinsons have always had the minerals, and it was only the Attorney General's office and the land board that recently, around 2010, had decided to make this land grab 
and the issue has been up to the North Dakota Supreme Court, which ruled in our favor. And uh, the state has persisted in, in claiming these minerals, although the Supreme Court, in its decision in September 2017 in the Wilkinson case, said any outcome that ends with the state having these minerals is an unconstitutional taking in violation of the United States and North Dakota constitutions. So the oil companies um, won't release the proceeds generated from these mineral acres. Okay. So not only my clients, but you have you have you know hundreds of mineral owners that have money tied up. Yeah. Because the oil company says, look, until this process is is finalized, we're not going to pay anybody. So we're moving forward on that and telling the court to order the state to drop their claim to this property. So these these. The, the monies are essentially in probate, or they're in just somewhere in in, in, a, in a mineral right purgatory until this thing gets resolved. Finally, that's yeah, yeah. That, that that's about that. That's the perfect word to describe that is is the purgatory. These mineral proceeds that are that are owed to my clients and many other mineral owners, they're sitting there in an account that you know my clients keep up keep racking up attorney's fees and yes not only are they entitled to these proceeds but other families are as well but they can't touch them or get access to the proceeds until this process is is finished so yeah they're they're very much in purgatory mr josh swanson i'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment we come back we'll continue the conversation with josh swanson with vogel law right here my name is jason Spees, and this is the multimedia cafe Peace, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Josh Swanson. Attorney's fees, and yes. not only are they entitled to these proceeds, but other families are as well, but they can't touch them or get access to the proceeds until this process is is finished. So, yeah, they're, they're very much in purgatory. And the state's just using state money, right? They're not, they're not having, well, they use tax dollars and state money, so they don't, they, they, they don't feel that pinch like your mineral right home landowners do. That's, that, a, that's exactly right. You know, the, the state has 
all the resources in the world to, to fight this courtesy of the great taxpayers of North Dakota, the, the private landowners, whether they're my clients or other families impacted, they've got to go out and hire an attorney. And, and I know I've mentioned it before to your listeners, but I'm looking at several bookshelves in my office that are filled with paperwork and filings from this case. So we're, we're really looking forward to finally being able to argue this to the district court in June and, and really looking forward to the state's response to see whether or not they'll finally abide by the law, by what the Supreme Court said, by the statute, by the Industrial Commission's order. And, the, and really, the, to be quite frank, the damnedest thing, if the state were to dispute the findings of the Industrial Commission, if you think about it for a minute, Attorney, the Attorney General is on the Industrial Commission. He signed and approved the order that says our clients' minerals are above the high water mark and the state has no claim to them. So I really don't understand, and I don't think there's a legal avenue possible, which is one of the things we argue in our brief, that the state is prevented from asserting a claim to these minerals because the, the Attorney General who is filing, his office is filing these briefs trying to, to claim our client's minerals, he signed the, you know, he signed the gosh darn order saying that the minerals are above the high watermark. So that's one of the questions we're uh, anxiously awaiting to see the state's response on here. Josh Swanson, Vogel Law Firm, on the line with us here. Just a few more minutes, and I wanted to ask you, and you don't have to answer this, but I'm just curious about the elephant in the room. And this is not a political program. And that's why you don't have to answer this. But I know Vogel has lobbyists, or I assume they have lobbyists, or you know lobbyists. So you can certainly cite a lobbyist if you feel it's a political question. The North Dakota GOP prides themselves on being uh, conservative Republicans and, and state state stay out of my checkbook and and yada yada type thing where are they at on this i mean it just it just seems like so counterintuitive to what they openly brag is their ideology are you following me on this i'm, I'm not trying to make this political but the but they're the ones who brag about it yeah and i, and I you know i'm happy to answer the question and as far as the the ideology and the conservative nature of the state, you're you're exactly right. That that's exactly right. And I would have hoped that the the I'll start by saying this, Jason. The legislature, in passing Senate Bill twenty one thirty four several years ago, recognized that there was a wrong that needed to be made right. And and we're thankful for the state legislators for doing that. And we're appreciative of Governor Burgum signing that legislation and making it retroactive and uh, the process that has played out since I, I will say that the land board has been more cooperative and, and we agree that the land board's brief in the Sorum versus Nelson case where Representative Nelson challenged the constitutionality of Senate Bill 2134 the state in that case opposed that particular challenge and argued that the legislation was constitutional and we we certainly appreciate the land board taking that position and that's one of the things we cite in our, our recent brief filed today with the district court in our case is that in the sorum and, and nelson case versus the state the state agrees with us they take the position that we're taking and, and part of our argument is the state can't have it both ways 
And so when you talk about the the elected officials in statewide government, I, I would hope that uh, in this particular situation, they'll say enough is enough. I really don't know the attorney general. His you would given the the significance of this case and the fact there were hundreds of millions of dollars tied up, and there are thousands of North Dakotans whose private property rights are impacted. I would like to think that the attorney general would would take an interest in this particular case and direct his office because at the end of the day, it's it's like that old Harry Truman sign that was on his desk, the buck stops here. I would like to think the attorney general would direct his office and say, look, the order is final. Enough is enough. We need to respect that process and let this family have the finality and the outcome they're entitled to under the statute and to direct the attorney's in this particular case to, to drop their claims to these private property. But, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating to me that my clients have had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars fighting for something that's always been theirs. And there hasn't been more of a, um, a stronger response. And I understand administrations come and go and, and, you know, legislatures change every two years. This is really on the attorney general. And I would love to visit with him about this, about finality in resolution. And, and we've made that invitation before. We've been very direct in our communications to the AG's office. And, and right now, I hope that, you know, you talk about private property rights and uh, the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution and Article One, Section 16 of the North Dakota Constitution, and, and respecting respecting those because at the end of the day, you know those those two sacred protections are about individual liberty and individual rights against the intrusions from government, and, and that's that's what this all comes down to. And it's not really a complicated issue. So I, I hope it's my sincerest hope that that our elected officials on the statewide level. Um, finally come around on this but um if if they just kick the can down the road or ignore it that's that's my biggest concern and i think the reality of the situation is that it's gotten this far and, and i fear that the attorney general is just going to do the same thing he's been doing um we'll see how the land board responds to it but i i, I understand that the question and it's it's incredibly frustrating and and not I mean, it's frustrating for me as an attorney who cares about his clients and who has to see his clients go through the hell that my clients have been through. But I, I, I don't think any of us can really understand and appreciate when you're a, a, a citizen who's paying taxes and has had this property in their land going back to world right after World War One, to have the state come in and take that and to have individuals and state government just sit idly by while you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to protect something that's always been in your family. There's something that's just not right with that. There's something that's deeply troubling and deeply upsetting. And, and I would ask your listeners to this program just to put themselves into the shoes of those families that have been impacted by this, that have had to have spent the monies and resources in the last 10 years that my clients have. And, and if it can happen to them, it can certainly happen to anybody when, when there's that sort of um, lack of accountability from certain levels of our government. So, um, you know, whether, whether that's uh, taking on your question head, not, uh, head on or sidestepping it, um, that, that's, that's where I guess my take on the situation is. 
And that was Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Starts rising, even when the storm comes. I am washed by the water, even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes. I am washed by the water, even when the rain falls. Even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water, even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising. Jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe. Coming up next, we talk with Chris Cottrell with Winston and Strong. Chris Cottrell with Winston and Strong. Thank you very much for joining us. A few reasons to talk today. One is about the M&A activity, the merger and acquisition activity in the first quarter of 2019. Uh, the other one is to talk about probably the lead. So we'll start with that a little bit about the Chevron Anadarko. Is it a merger? Is it a buyout? I think it's a buyout, right? Chevron's buying Anadarko. It's not a merger. Um, maybe it, maybe it, I'll tell you what. That's why we are bringing in Chris Cottrell. He's the expert in this. I'm just the guy that knows about, oh, 5%. So I need to know know a little bit more. So how are you doing today? Doing great. Excited so, to... Uh be on the show and i appreciate you having me on yeah talk to me about chevron anadarko talk to that's, that's a buyout right yeah they're actually merging together um so at the end, end of all this um you know Andarco will be effectively merged into chevron okay all right so then they're gonna just be um one big company i mean i just talked to a gentleman down in the permian and we talked about this very, very briefly. Jim Beck, he's the chairman of the Texas Energy Star Alliance. And one of the things he mentioned um, that he heard was a big reason for this this um, merger of Chevron 
Anadarko is the uh, Permian assets. Is, are, are you hearing anything along those lines that those Permian assets assets were a big part of this? You know, I, I did hear the exact same thing. Um, you know, my, my response to that would be that, that at the end of the December, uh, we had the big players had an opportunity to buy out another huge player in the, in the region, uh, and they go by the name of Endeavor, Endeavor Resources. So, you know, they, they had an opportunity by Endeavor, um, had a huge core position, and that did not come to fruition. So I think uh, that may have played a, a small part of the deal, but it's not the sole reason why the deal is going to happen. So this is going to probably impact the industry a little bit, I'd imagine. Um, is there any thoughts on speculation or... I guess just based on history, some things that are going to impact the industry in any way. Any companies, you know, that are subsidiary companies or anything like that or midstream companies that, oh, geez, now do we got to go through and redo all of our pitches and meetings? You know what I mean? Just what kind of ripple is this going to have? Well, it's certainly going to going to create a lot of opportunity uh, for, for folks that had midstream gathering agreements with Chevron and uh, to the extent that there's acreage that Andarco owns or has that has not been committed to, to midstream. You know, I anticipate that those uh, companies will have an opportunity to bid um, on that commodity and, and try to get into their midstream assets. You, you hear a lot of talk about um, Anadarko being a very innovative company. Uh, they've been in, uh, really at the forefront of you know, innovation, technology, working with smaller tech companies to try to, you know, create new technology. And so you do hear uh, some folks that are concerned about, you know, whether or not Chevron's going to continue uh, to do that. So, you know, there's I think there's good and bad news, um, hopefully more good than bad. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, Chevron can, can learn a few things from Andarco. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of the... What was it? Shell and BG, I think, was the company, that big $82 billion buyout, oh, four or five years ago. And that that doesn't seem to be the case in this thing in terms of, uh, I think that BG company was an LNG company, and Shell was looking more to get into that industry, it, it seemed like back then, to become the big global LNG powerhouse that you know, they, they are now. Um, is there... Any indication that um, this was a big strategic buy in terms of, I don't know, is there a renewable, is there a LNG, do you know what I mean? Is there is there something more to the story that, you know, we might see in a year that is, you know, some secret sauce that we don't know about type of a thing? Because this is a big deal, and it just seems like it. There's there's more to it than just a couple big companies coming together. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a good point. So, you know, there's some things that that people may not be talking about. So, so there's some assets that Andarco has, kind of overseas in the deep water Gulf, that uh, I think, you know, as soon as, they're very diversified as far as their portfolio. And so, yeah, the Permian's a big splash, and we all know about the Permian. But these other assets are sitting out there, and I think. You know, Chevron's well positioned to capitalize on the location of those assets. You know, deploy their 
their uh, knowledge, their know-how to get out there and produce these assets. So I anticipate that, you know, Chevron has the, the capital to develop these assets. And in the near term, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully see a lot more development on those assets than, than maybe Anadarko did. You know, and some of this could be, too, that uh, Chevron's just trying to keep up with the Joneses and become a major super major again. And now what are they? They went from like fourth to second, right? And so that's, um, you know, sometimes that's what companies do, too. They just spend because they got to spend. I, I don't think that's the case, but, you know, I suppose they might get a little criticism for that, that they're just, you know, trying to be a big dog to be a big dog. I think there's more to it, but um, it's definitely going to impact the industry outside of this merger uh or outside of this this activity how, how's the first quarter looked you mentioned that it's um probably not as active as some might think huh yeah so so surprisingly enough the first quarter of 2019 you know got got hit by the low pricing at the end of 2018 so basically the overall energy sector saw a drop in M&A activity to around the 50 percent range and shockingly, the upstream energy sector, um, so all the, all the companies that uh, you know, drill and develop wells, um, their deal flow is down in the lower 90% range. And it's the lowest uh, activity level in about 10 years. So we're, we're hoping that, you know, that this announcement and the fact that the stock, the stock of Chevron you know, has reacted somewhat well to the news. Um, they are down, you know, about 5%, but at the end of the day, it's not anywhere, you know, it's not catastrophic like we've seen with the other attempted mergers. Um, so I think it's a good sign for the overall industry. I think the market's looking at this uh, as a positive thing, as they should. And I, I hope that it's a kind of the, the steroid shot that the industry needs to, to pick things up in 2019. Well, I know this was kind of predicted that the first quarter would not be very active. And then as the quarters progressed, you'd see more activity. And of course, Donald Trump was recently in Texas, down in Crosby, Texas, signed some executive orders to uh, expedite and streamline some pipelines, which is going to only increase a lot of the energy supply down there because the Permian is both a hub and a bottleneck. That's it's 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 in a real unique position because you you still have pipelines from the north flowing down to the south to either get to um, Corpus Christi or Lake Charles or some other areas some other refineries down in down in the Houston um, Corpus Christi area but you got you have to get it down to the Gulf is what I'm getting at and so the Permian because they have so much already going on they not only are a hub but are a bottleneck so. I think as we see some of these pipelines come on and uh, just some of the activity going, I would think that the second, third, and fourth quarter are just going to pick up from that momentum as well. And you mentioned the first quarter activity was down a little bit because of pricing. Um, am I reading the tea leaves right on this? Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. I think, I think the midstream... Mr. Chris Cottrell, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. We come back. We continue the conversation with Chris Cottrell with Winston Strawn right here. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. 
every day Can't make no money giving your stuff away Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do Put your stuff on the market You can make a million too Built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you. And the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Chris Cottrell with Winston and Strong. Yeah, I think you're you're exactly right. I think I think the midstream, you know, assets are coming that are coming online as the bottleneck relieves. Uh, I think people will you know jump right back in, um, and hopefully. We see some some more consolidation in the in the Midland, you know, Delaware basins. You know, the other thing, I think the industry is finally coming around to the the understanding that they need to get the oil supply balanced, and so you're, we're seeing, you know, additional capital investments in the the downstream sector, in the refining sector, and I think that we're getting better at uh, exporting. So I know enterprise is, is a big part of uh, the export story down in the Gulf um, in, the, in the Houston ship channel for us. And so, uh, you know, I anticipate other players coming in and kind of trying to get that supply to the right markets. And hopefully that, that you know, us, us getting better at getting, you know, the oil and gas to the right markets helps level off you know, the, the price swings that we've seen recently. Now, I know you're getting a little bit more involved with the oil and gas uh, in your day-to-day uh, as well. Uh, professionally, talk to me about what you're up to in terms of uh, go ahead, give your business a plug, and uh, talk to me about how the oil and gas world seems to be consuming you these days. Yeah, so we're, we're really excited to announce that the, uh, you know, Jimmy Valley who's the, the head of our energy M&A uh, team, left Paul Hastings, and we all went with him, and we joined the firm called Winston & Strawn. Um, they've been around the Houston market for a long time. They are, you know, have historically been known for their IP and litigation and um, have recently started to invest more on, on the transactional energy side. And so our, t- our team uh, has arrived here. I got here on Wednesday of last week, and uh, I think that our last team member got here on Thursday. So here we are on Monday from a brand-new office, uh, really excited about, you know, this firm's commitment to the energy sector and, 
you know, I think the, the future is incredibly bright, um, not only for our firm, but the, the other firms here in town. Well, talk to me about who, who's, who's your customer, who you're looking for. I mean, you know, we just talked a little M&A activity, merger and acquisition, that sort of thing. So we don't want to confuse anybody. Just uh, talk, <laughs> you know, because, you know, you, you, you do know about quite a few different things. But talk to me about who your customer is and who you're looking to pick up now with your company there. So we're really focused on, on you know, two different uh, aspects of the business. Really, um, the private equity-backed teams, the private equity-backed uh, management teams that are, are, are being funded and buying and selling uh, assets. So that, you know, some people, you know, call that the A&D side of the business, but it's really buying and selling assets, not really, you know, merging companies together. So that's one aspect that we're really focused on. And we're, we're focused on the upstream and midstream piece on that. You know, that, that's been incredibly active um, throughout the last few years. And so I, I anticipate we'll, we'll continue to service that side of the business and, and hopefully grow it. Um, and obviously the more traditional, you know, M&A, what, what you think of when, when you read about Andarco and Chevron, um, you know, these, these bigger publicly traded companies uh, buying and selling uh, each other, you know, or the M and A in that, in that term, um, you know, we'll continue to grow with that. So the, this group, we, we came in, they, they're very active. They have a strong oil field services group. Um, and so, uh, you know, we hope to add on and, and, you know, get to know their clients better and, and see kind of where we can add value to their, you know, Winston Strong's existing clients. What do you see for next quarter? Uh, obviously, it's going to increase a little bit, but um, is there anything on the books that uh, people should keep an eye on in terms of just, I don't know, different investments, that sort of thing? I was just kind of, that Permian has really got me wondering. You know, I, I read something a few years ago that 70% of the shale activity is going to come out of the Permian over the next 70 years or next 30 years. And then I just saw with Chevron, Anadarko. I don't know. Just I'm trying to read the tea leaves again here, and and some of the things that are happening down the Permian. It just seems like as soon as certain things come online, it's just it's going to explode. It's just going to explode um, because you know a lot of what's going on down there is they're just drilling and they're capping those ducks. They're just doing that, and that happened up in the Bakken too. And all of a sudden. Price point hits a certain point, and then boom, it just takes off like gangbusters again and stuff. So, um, anyway, I don't know. That's just that's that's my backdoor way of trying to speculate. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, you know, if you if you want to talk about the speculators, there's a lot of people looking at kind of you know mid-sized to smaller cap Permian publicly traded companies okay. in hopes that they're kind of the next target. That's that's what I'm kind of looking at. What's that next step exactly? And so those kind of small to mid-sized ones would make sense, especially after a big dog like that is done. I remember a few years ago when the Baker Hughes uh, Halliburton thing happened that it never ha it never went through. But after all that news happened, is you're right. That's when all the mid and smaller companies then they started having the M and A activity too. 
didn't they? Was am, am I remembering that right? Did that kind of seem how that happened in terms of the the signals and the trends? I mean, yeah, historically, the last couple of years, um, that sector has been very M&A active, um, really because they, you know, they've got a lot of downward pressure on pricing. And so as yeah. margins get smaller, um, you know, that you kind of need somebody who has more scale, they're able to absorb those kind of, you know, the diversity in their revenue to absorb those kind of smaller margins. And so really it's it's been more about you know trying to trying to stay alive through the last you know two or three years and uh but yeah i mean that was definitely a signal in the market um that that m a activity would begin to increase you know as soon as the as soon as the big guys um start doing things usually that's a good sign for the rest of the rest of the market yeah and it always has a ripple through, always has a ripple through, top to the bottom. It just seems like it, you know, it rolls downhill, and there's a bunch of different words you can put in front of it. So. And that was Chris Cottrell with Winston and Strong. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and all those YouTubes. Our social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank you folks for joining us here on the radio. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. And for those of you folks streaming us on the net, thank you very much for choosing us as part of your daily content. And for those iTunes and podcast downloaders and subscribers thank you very much we know there's a thousand million gajillion podcasts out there in fact my my best friend's dog's nephew is doing one now which it's actually really good but so everybody's doing a podcast thank you for listening to this radio program which is also a podcast and also we write for magazines and newspapers as well with the interviews that we do right here at the Multimedia Cafe and the Crude Life Media Network. So thank you very much. I'd also like to thank Chris Cottrell with Winston & Strawn for joining us, as well as Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. Appreciate it very much for stopping by the Multimedia Cafe. From the staff at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. 
and then you will let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 